You are listening to the Carrero Podcast. I'm Malia Hoffman, and I'm here with Fred Ramirez. Today we have two guests, Carol Jimenez and Lisa Evans-Powell. Carol was elected to the Paris Elementary School District Board of Education in November 2022 and sworn into office in December 2022. Carol started her tenure in the district as a teacher, and then she noticed the disparity of children in her district, wrote grants to start a preschool program for the district. The grants were awarded to Carol and became the director of the child development programs for the district. With collaboration and funding from the state and the first five, a unique school readiness facility was built in Paris, named Rob Reiner Children and Family Development Center. The goal of the preschool programs was to address children's and families' needs to prevent barriers from being successful in school. She has two master's degree in education, one from UCR and one from Cal State San Bernardino. Her goal for being on the school board is to continue to serve the community with transparency and excitement. Lisa Evans-Powell was elected to the Conejo Valley Unified School District Board of Education in November 2022. She is a Southern California native and holds a master's degree in social welfare and public policy, as well as a bachelor's from UCLA and a doctorate of social work from USC, University of Southern California. She's a social worker, researcher, and active community volunteer who views her school board role as another way to serve her community. Lisa is thrilled at her new role, and she is of the belief that there is nearly no greater honor than playing a role in the education and development of our children and youth. Hello, Carol and Lisa. Thanks for joining us today. Can you share with us how your childhood experiences in school prepared you to become who you are today? Lisa, did you want to go first? I can. I'm happy to start. Okay. Um, thank you. First of all, thank you so much for having us. It's, you know, being a new trustee and just having kind of gotten off the campaign trail, it's really a, an exciting and fun time, you know, to to be talking about all of this. So um, the question about what, you know, what child experiences in school prepared me to become who I am today, it's such a great question because I think when I think about the person I am today, Typically, I, I go to my parents and I think about all that they did in, in making me who I am today. So when we think about what did school, what was my school experience? How did it shape me? And I, I think about um, my years in you know California public schools. I was educated K-12 in the Goleta, Santa Barbara area, excellent schools. And my experience with school was always really positive. I excelled. Um, it was a very happy and safe place for me. And in fact, I'd cry. Um, every year on the last day of school because I was so sad that that year was over. Yes, I was one of those kids. Um, (laughs) And in in junior high, um, I was 12 and uh, a gift was discovered. I was, I had a gift of singing. And so that really led into constant performing um, in choir, a soloist, and then it led me to the stage. And so I was always involved in theater and music, and that really gave me um, an activity and an identity that really, I think, added to my connection with school and helped those years and memories of school just be very positive for me. And I was lucky to have teachers that cared and took interest in me, great memories from field trips and outdoor school that made a lasting impression. And so, and I think my involvement, not only in performing, um, but other clubs during high school just expanded my understanding of the world helped me cultivate interests that have stayed with me. 
Uh, and so I, I, you know, and I think this, this, my school experience helped me to love learning and be a lifelong learner, to be curious and to be engaged in the world. But, you know, I'll say that as an adult, you know, working in schools in a lot of schools and um, have, being a mom has really opened up my eyes to understanding that we all have very different relationships and experiences in school as kids um, and with learning. And I think that's, you know, really valuable. Um, it's been really valuable for me. It's really rounded out my understanding of how different kids need different types of learning environments and how traditional school doesn't work for everybody. Um, but what I think stayed with me regardless is really the need for kids to get connected in whatever way they can. Um, maybe they don't love academics, but maybe they'll find other other ways that they can you know, become engaged and learn about themselves and develop themselves. Maybe it's through art or athletics or whatever it may be. So um, that's my, that's how my school experience shaped me. Okay, my experience was a little bit different. Um, when I was young, I went to six different elementary schools and two of them were tw done twice. Um, I was a shy child, and so I always felt like I wasn't noticed. But when I was in second grade, my teacher, who I remember to this day, remember her name, remember details about her, she had the same first name that I did, she um, took a notice to me and made me feel as if I had been seen. So from that, I decided in second grade, I wanted to be just like her and to be a teacher. So it kind of gave me a goal through different family issues that I was experiencing, um, the mobility that we went through, um, the issues that could overwhelm me. I still had that goal. And when I was 14, decided to start working because I was in a was being raised in a single parent family and I knew my mother couldn't afford to send me to college so I uh, worked from the time I was 14 until the time I retired actually <laughs> congrats so, um, yeah and uh, I had that goal in mind now when I was in high school I went to 1 7 through 12. Uh, school and I still felt very shy but once I graduated and I went away to college I said to myself I can be whoever I want to be mm. I don't have to be this shy child anymore and so I came out of my shell I was working when I was in high school so I wasn't really involved too much in other activities but uh, those are the experiences when I was in school that helped shape who I was as a teacher because I wanted to notice everybody. And Lisa, like you, everybody has a talent and we just need to look for it and encourage children to uh, develop their talents as well as be well-rounded. We don't want them to just focus on their talents, but also to to have other interests as well so that's how my child experiences helped shape me as an educator 
And one of the things that, that we often do or that we always do is we always ask for bios. And, and, and Carol, one of the things that that caught my eye is that you were you were you were born and raised in um, in Pennsylvania. Um, yes. But then you moved to California and you started to be a long term sub in Long Beach. Um, and and. And reading your bio, I'm 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 interested. How was that? How was you know? How was going from, um, you know? And granted, I know nothing about Pennsylvania. I spent a little bit, you know, a little time in Valley Forge, Pennsylvania. Um, but how was that? How was how was going from Pennsylvania to Long Beach, which is a which is a urban urban town. Yes, uh, and actually, I I was a long term sub in Linwood School District, so part of the LA area. I was in culture shock. <laughs> oh my gosh! I come out here and people drive so fast on the freeways, and it was just so shocking. And then um, to be a long term sub in Linwood. It was a kind of a rough area. I had my gas cap stolen and just different things like that. Um, and I was teaching in a fifth and sixth grade classroom. And their teacher had gone on to be an administrator. They had not had a sub last longer than two weeks. Wow. And they told me, they told me to my face, we got rid of the others. We're going to get rid of you too. Well, kids back in Pennsylvania don't talk like that. <laughs> so yes, it was a shock. I did tell them because I had two young children, um, a six and a four year old when I moved to California. And I told them, I am supporting my children. And you are not going to get rid of me because I need to support them. Mm. And eventually by the end of the year, um, another teacher gave me a great compliment. She said, you turned those animals into real children. So uh, not to toot my horn, but that just uh, really was was overwhelming to me. What grade level was that? Fifth and sixth. Okay. Wow. See, yeah. that's why I never taught fifth and sixth. Oh, well. Yeah. <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> Yeah, that middle school, there's a special talent for those people and high school, sure. special talent. Yeah, mm -hmm. That's what I taught. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm glad somebody wants to teach that age. <laughs> Can you both share how you professionally and personally, um, your professional and uh, personal experience, you brought um, the thought of running the school for the school board in your respective communities? So what professional and personal experiences um, made you think that you'd want to run for school board? Do you want to start this time, Carol? Oh, okay. So I was a, a teacher in the same district where I am a school board member now. So I was a teacher and then I became an administrator. So as a teacher, I saw some gaps. Well, for example, um, the children coming into kindergarten didn't know letters and that was different from Pennsylvania because in kindergarten in Pennsylvania the children were reading. Uh, I know things are different now but back then they weren't so I, I approached the assistant superintendent and said hey we need preschool 
And she said, we can't afford it. Well, long story short, I got some grants and uh, we have preschool programs for the school district. So um, I retired during the pandemic. (laughs) And then all of a sudden, uh, one night I couldn't sleep. And this thought came to me, run for the school board. Okay, nobody nobody does that. <laughs> nobody <laughs> Tell <has> me. <laughs> hey, guess yeah, what? exactly. And I didn't even know if there was an open seat, so I looked it up and uh, saw that yeah, the the incumbent was uh, going to have an. She was still going to run, but uh, and I'm I wasn't running against her. I was just running for the school board and. Yeah. And I prayed about it and and felt I had confirmation and then filed my papers and ran. <laughs> That's wow. Lisa. <laughs> well my 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 response to this is probably a little bit more long long winded, and I'll give you my historical and I'll give you my my, my more current history. Um I think, you know, in some ways, I think I always knew I'd probably run for office someday. Um, I was just always really interested in politics from a young age. In high school, I worked for a state senator. Um, my sophomore year at UCLA was a class that really changed my life. It was intro to sociology. And I had this amazing professor, Dr. Mel Oliver. He will always be with me. Um, he explored with us the inequities of American society. So I read Michael Harrington's The Other America for the first time. We learned about poverty, social stratification, racism and discrimination, social movements. And I read Jonathan Kozal's Savage Inequalities, which opened my eyes to the inequities in our educational systems. Um, And so this all really fascinated and horrified me at the same time. And so I know all of this led to me to then pursue my master's of public policy and master's of social work. And then, which then led me into working in schools and public schools and a social service organizations and really sort of just dedicate my life to, um, you know, work, work life and volunteer life to, you know, try to help um, groups that maybe weren't always served well by our systems and our institutions and our programs. So um, with public schools, you know, I, I really believe in the opportunity and the promise um, of public education and and so in my work I've been able to have a little tiny little piece of 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 that of, of trying to um, work work to just make public education stronger and better um, and so running for school board seems sort of like a natural a natural next step not just to help in that area but sort of just as a in a you know as a way to serve my community in general and in my community our school board elections have been very heated. In the, in the last three elections. Um, and we'll, I know we'll probably talk about this more later, but, um, you know, there's just been a you know, big focus on getting people into seats and you have sort of, you know, people from different philosophies coming in and um, just a real community effort to ensure that we have trustees who are um, really, you know, trying to work on behalf of all kids and um, want to you know, believe in public education, want to keep our schools strong, those kind of themes. And, and I felt that I was, you know, I fit that. Um, and we needed somebody to run for the seat. And uh, we hadn't, it was an open seat. The person who was in it wasn't gonna run. And 
And, you know, when 2022 started, I had no, if you had told me I was going to run for office last year, I wouldn't, you know, I just wouldn't have believed you. But um, right around March, those conversations started happening. And then I jumped in in May. And I did it. You know, Lisa, you 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 bring up a, a really a really good point. Um, can you talk more about and 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 Carol, if if you want to talk about this also, you you mentioned the opportunity and promise of of what a public of what a public edu- education brings. Um, can you expand on that? Um, what are your thoughts about what that opportunity and promise of what a public education is? Absolutely. I mean, I, I think that the links between, you know, education and a healthy democracy are are key. You know, I think having an educated populace is really important. Um, and so we have to make education available to all. Um, I think it's better for all of us as a, as a community, as a nation, um, when we can ensure that that our youth are being educated and developed in ways that can, you know, help them, you know, on their path to have healthy, fulfilling, productive lives. Um, and if we restrict that or limit that, I think that is really detrimental to um, to the greater good and to our, our communities and to our world. So um, now we can certainly talk about the challenges of, of that system, um, not only how it was first started, but how it's, how it's run, how it's funded, you know, we know the challenges of public education. It's incredibly complex and challenging to, to um, reach our goal of educating every single child well. Um, but I think that, you know, that's why I'm, I'm part of this is because I believe in it and we just have to keep working towards that goal. Okay. Carol, do you, do you have any any comment about which is oh, what yeah what lisa was saying um yes it's very important and especially as you get older you realize that you're relying on the youth for your own health and your own safety and the world and so yes absolutely i want the children to be educated as best they can and the public education needs to educate children, all children, every child, to be successful. And now you were you were both well. You're kind of talking about just kind of the process. What what was the process like? And and I'm not asking about the like like the paperwork and and what you do. What were the what were the push and pulls? Um, because you know, I've I've witnessed a lot of what's going on in my town, and then just across the nation, as many of us have, about what's taking place within our within our school boards. Was was there any push and pulls, or you know, um, uh, items that you that that you needed to address, or groups you needed to address, or anything anything like that during during your um, during that election process? Well, I know for me, um, the other, some other board members that were running um, had backing of special interest groups. 
And for me, I had no no backing as far as uh, the teachers, the classified or Democrats or Republicans or anything like that. I was just running on my own merit. And I, at this point, I'm really glad because then I don't owe anybody anything. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I don't know how the other school board members who got in, who got elected, if they feel torn at all. I, I, I doubt it now, but I'm sure that there were some push and pulls about, okay, so the teachers want this kind of um, thing, this kind of direction, but I'm seeing it from a different point of view. Or like I said, I don't, I, I don't have to fall into that. Sure. However, uh -oh. Because I I am a former employee, I also don't want people who I've known for 30 years to come to me and say, oh, I've known you since way back when, and please do this for me. So in that respect, it can be a little bit of a pull. Yeah. Can you talk about the process of running for office, what that was like? I can start with that okay. <laughs> and I can kind of talk about any push, I guess the push and pull kind of within that, um, you know, for me running, you know, I'm a planner. And so if I had, if I had known I was going to run for office, I probably would have started like the previous fall. So I was a little bit nervous jumping in in May because I knew I, I basically had like six months. Um, and again, I, as I mentioned, you know, the elections are pretty heated and I knew there was in my area and I knew there was already a candidate. Um, who had been already organizing since the previous fall. But, and, and there's just, you know, when you're, when you're a first time candidate, there's so, it's so much work to get it going. Um, <clears throat> I mean, the paperwork aside and then figuring out your messaging, um, raising money, you know, I knew that I would probably have to raise, um, you know, somewhere, you know, over 20, somewhere between 20 and 30 grand um, to run this campaign. And ultimately I did, I had to, I raised $25,000 which seems ridiculous for a school board election. And we can talk another time about money and politics and how ridiculous it is because I wish it wasn't that way because it limits who gets to, who runs for office ultimately, which is a bummer um, because I'm, I'm, you know, very big on getting more diverse, um, you know, and more diverse range of candidates in, in all levels of office. Um, and in our, you know, my campaign, I would say it was a really positive process. Um, for me, it was very nerve wracking, but I had a great team, which I think is key. I collected people who knew me really well, um, people who I knew would support me, tell me what I need, you know, if I needed to kind of redirect or shift messaging at all, they would, um, they would tell me, um, they would, you know, they check my face for, you know, flaws or, or lipstick on my teeth before we'd walk into, <laughs> into a, into an event, things like that. Um, but it was mostly really, it was mostly overall, uh, positive for me. I think the social media piece got really, really important during the last election in 2020, because it was during the pandemic. And so that was an area that I'm not necessarily, you know, I'm not a huge like social media content creator, but that was something like every day 
you know, my team is like, you have to push out more content. You have to be doing that, you know? So that was really, really hard. Um, we ultimately didn't really have any forums that included all candidates um, for various reasons, given the, again, the kind of complicated and heated nature of our campaign, <clears throat> of our race. But um, we had we had a couple of those that were really great that dove into the issues that I think are important in our area. Um, and I think in terms of push and pull, you know, I think for me, I made a decision at the outset that I didn't want to be reacting to some of the negative messaging that my opponent was engaged in. Um, and that's a lot of the, na the talking points you see nationally, you know, really the push to get sex ed out of schools, um, really negative and aggressive language against transgender students, um, messaging about CRT, critical race theory, um, those kinds of things that I really wanted to be able to focus on my messaging, what I think needed to, we needed to focus on in our schools and not react so much to that. And yet at the same time, I had to be prepared to respond to that because when you're knocking on doors, people are asking you those questions. Um, and so I had to be really prepared to respond to that. And luckily in my community, three elections ago, um, a pack was formed that was really community-based that really was, was supporting candidates <clears throat> that were public educate, you know, supporters of public education. Um, and so they, they could take kind of the more negative messaging. They could handle that piece. If there were any, um, you know, direct comments they wanted to make against my opponent so that I could stay positive. I wanted to stay focused on myself and run a really positive, um, issues focused campaign. And, and so ultimately I was able to do that. Carol, do you have any well, um, my run for the school board was not competitive in that at that length at all. I mean, we're an elementary school district. Um, I live in a rural area. Uh, so the area that I am from, um, I happen to know the incumbent. Um, I have nothing against her. I don't have anything against her philosophy towards uh, school board issues or anything like that. We are not in that same category or position uh, since we are an elementary school district that um, that other school districts are facing right now. So in that respect, I feel very fortunate. Um, I did do a little bit of social media. Uh, I bought some signs. I did not have to raise money. I'm so jealous. <laughs> yeah. I didn't. I put signs up. I put a, a magnet on my car. Uh, <laughs> my best friend is a former school board member, and she's been a great mentor for me and in in a lot of ways. But anyway, so she took a sign on, on her truck, too. And, you know, that's all we did. And... Uh, just let the chips fall where they were and won. <laughs> that's amazing. That's, that's my kind of political you know, I talk, race right I have there. to say, Carol, I, I talked to other school board trustees or, or candidates during the campaign who, who also had like uncontested 
or or very like non-heated campaigns and you know oh like like looking at me like oh I, I don't have to, I didn't have to raise any money and I'm going oh my goodness <laughs> that's just overwhelming to me and all the all the things you need to do when you raise that money and be accountable to the public mm-hmm. for for every penny that you spend so for me no I I didn't have to deal with that at all so 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 with that um since you've been since both of you have been school board members now for like a couple months um has there been any surprises or unexpected knowledge that you've that you've gained during during these last couple months as being school board members one thing oh go ahead lucy go ahead kara well one thing that surprised me was that the the agendas online uh, that are posted before the actual school board mem- meeting, I always thought that there was some secret code that school board members got to have to see the insides of everything um, before the meeting. But here, no, it's not. What the public sees is what I see. And so if I have any questions, I need to to find out what the answers are before the school board meeting. And I can't talk to any other school board member about it. Uh, Just the whole Brown Act is what was kind of surprising to me, um, how you have to be so careful that everything, everything is discussed in open form, except for certain uh, sensitive uh, issues such as personnel matters or expulsions or things like that. So that was what was one of the things that was surprising to me. Another thing was I've been to so many board members, board meetings, excuse me. And it just looked like everything was going smoothly. Yes. Everything's just, yes, vote on it. Yes. But no, that's not actually what happens behind closed doors that every board member is responsible for any questions that they have to get them answered before the board meeting. So that was surprising to me. Those are, so, I mean, my, I think my kind of my, my comments are probably very similar to Carol's and, and, and I think those are that you just explained it so well. And I think that's so important for people to understand that everything is completely open and public, like how much of it is just right out there for the public to, to see and hear. And I know in our community, we have had people say, well, you all vote like, you know, five zero on practically everything. And, and, you know, like you're all, you all think the same. And the reality is if you're, you know, if you're a responsible trustee, you're doing your homework and you're asking those questions before the board, board meeting and really trying to get that, do that research and get that understanding um, so that you are informed going into the meeting. Um, <clears throat> I think that, you know, learning about how school boards govern school boards govern is just been fascinating to me. Um, I really love collaborative work and this is a collaborative body. You know, you don't have any individual authority. It's you are part of a team, but like Carol said, due to the Brown act here in California, that the collaborative work amongst the five of us or six of us, if you include the superintendent can only be done in public meetings. And so this is really challenging. It's a completely new way for me of working collaboratively, and and I'm still sort of figuring that out. Um, and I and I will also say I think you know I would say that I'm I'm learning every day 
I've heard said that school board trustees are like the best trained public officials that anywhere. Mm. And I have found there are so many training opportunities for school board trustees. And, and I think that's important for the public to know too, is that there's constant education happening. I mean, our California School Board Association has just constant offerings. I've been to a four-day annual conference already, a two-day institute, a couple of day-long workshops, and I have more on the calendar. And so, you know, it's really, your trustees are, assuming they're taking advantage of all these opportunities. I mean, they're very, they're very well-informed and, um, you know, and they should be to, to, to be able to run these really complex public systems. You know, and just for just for our our listeners' clarifications, can you talk about what the what the Brown Act is? Yes, the Brown Act is the ruling that really um, governs how we run public meetings. Um, you know, through our you know from our government gov- government agencies here in California, and really in order to ensure that. It, our government's run by the people, ultimately, right? So that the public always has access to the decision-making process and the information um, related to our public institutions. And so, you know, there, there are certain criteria that, you know, certain groups have to, you know, fall into in order to be, you know, fall under the Brown Act. Of course, as school board, all of your meetings fall under that. And then sometimes, you know, there's certain committees that maybe come out of a of a um, that are you know attached to a district that may also fall under the Brown Act, and so there's lots of lots of rules and regulations. I mean, people take hours and hours and hours of training to try to understand all of the rules, and you're always having legal. There's always legal counsel on certain issues. Like, does this does this violate? What can we do here? Um, I know our district is very careful about following following all of the regulations under the Brown Act. You know, there's only certain things you can talk about in closed meeting. Um, you know, you have to have your your meeting agendas published a certain number of days ahead of time. And and so, I think you know it's easy for folks to try to you know say that certain government agencies might be very secretive, but this. The Brown Act really um, is there to try to ensure transparency in, um, you know, in our government institutions and agencies. So, thank you. So, what do you want to accomplish as board members? Do you have any particular items that you want to tackle? Well, what I want to show is that our school district is great. We have great staff. We have great families. We have great children. And what I want to do is highlight those those um, programs that we have that are successful. And uh, because our school district, since it is a small district, we have a very um, high minority. We get a lot of LCAP um, funds because of that. But there's also a stigma. But I want to show that, hey, our school district is great, and we we offer all these programs for anyone who is in our school district. Um, for me, yes. I mean, I you know I have my own wish list, but I always I always you know talk about it with the caveat of um, you know saying that the school board is a team. And, you know, as an individual trustee, you know, 
I'm working on the common goals of our board. Um, but certainly, you know, if you ask me, like, what are some things I'd like to see during my four-year term, you know, obviously, I think, you know, just an increase in equitable services and outcomes for all of our students, first and foremost. We certainly always have um, certain groups of students that struggle more than others. And, um, you know, I know our state and our district as well is really focused on on equity and, and trying to, to, um, to make those um, you know, those differences between groups better, um, serving students better, serving all students better. And that's, there's just so many things that go into that, which is a whole other conversation. Um, I think using data better more effectively and more frequently in decision-making is something I'd like to see, um, you know, see happen more. Um, and I just think, uh, you know, post COVID mm. there's so many challenges that we see that we're still, you know, I know, I think our teachers in our classrooms just always need more support and resources and, um, you know, figuring out <clears throat> how we can better do that um, to just support students as well as well as our as our teachers during these these tough times, you know, with with students, it's, I think there's, you know, behavioral challenges, you know, just coming back into into school after being on zoom has been a hard transition for a lot of kids. I think we're, you know, obviously, we know, there's a mental health um, crisis, if you will, with our youth, which I, I think started before COVID, but, um, and that's just a lot for schools to grapple with. And we're just working to, to make it all work. Yeah, Lisa, you, you bring up a really good point. Mental health has been here forever, um, and when and and when when people have 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 shared the negative aspects of of our of COVID, they're they're definitely that. Um, but one of the things that many people were were thinking is that COVID brought to light a lot of the issues that that we really needed to be talking about, and one of them is mental health yeah um, especially for kids because they're or everyone um but but a lot of our kids are have have been going through stuff i mean all of us probably can remember back when when we were in school that wow you know there there was a lot that kids were going through um that being said you know are there um are there things like Carol, what do you wish for your grandkids going through school? And then, um, Lee, so, you know, you don't have grandkids, um, but you know, what are, what are the goals that you, that you, that you have for youth? Am I starting with that one? Yeah. Okay. So is the question more the goal kind of for our community? Or, yeah, 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 yeah. It could be for that. You know, I mean, you know, I, I think a lot about schools on on the community at the community level. Um, I, you know, one of the things I talked about a lot during my campaign was really how our, our public schools are really, you know, central to our community, and that all of our residents should care about them. Um, I think you know the strength of our public schools are just important to the growth and well-being of any community. And so whether it's, you know, whether you're talking housing, you know, housing prices, or whether you're just talking, you know, the economy, the local economy, um, there's so many pieces that that make our schools important. And so, you know, really wanting our, our community to understand that more, um, I, you know, 
I think building those relationships, communicating what our schools are doing to the greater community, I think creating opportunities for like cross collaboration, let's say between, you know, business and schools, like creating internships, maybe it's city and, 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 and schools kind of building on those. Right now we have an issue um, in our community around crossing guards. Seems like very like a very minor issue, but it's a program that our city's always paid for, um, and of course, it's ensure the safety of our kids walking or biking to school. And so, with fewer numbers of kids walking and biking to school these days, there's discussion that maybe it's not worth the expense to have crossing guards at all, all these locations. They have them, so there's you know potential decision to make some cuts. But you know, it impacts not just the safety of those kids walking to school. But then it's a larger community issue. You know, do what do we want in our community? Do we want a community that's more walkable and bikeable? Should we be promoting that? You know, how how do we how are we supporting? How is the city supporting the safety of of kids who maybe not only want to walk to not only want to walk to school but need to walk to school? Um, and so that's just one example of where there's cross issue. You know, issues that cross over that really are impacting our greater community. And so for, for me, I just think it's it's reminding people of that and, and hoping that more folks will jump in to support our local schools. Um, and in, you know, in, in, in that understanding that they're important for, for the larger community. So that that's kind of one of my big hopes at the community level. Yeah. Thanks, Lisa. And as for my grandchildren, um, what I, would hope for is that they are going to be well-rounded. They're going to um, be competitive in our world as far as what is uh, expected of them. And bottom line is I want them to be happy and be self-learners to eventually, I mean, they, they are to a point right now, but as they get older, of course, they will even more. And uh, that, that's my goal for them. What's a common myth you wish people to know about being on the school board? <laughs> I think a common one is that we can like solve everything. Every day, every week. Here's the thing about school, about being a school board member. You know, we, we are not managing the district. We are not running the district. We provide governance. And so I think that distinction between like management and governance is something people don't get and they need to understand. I don't, I can't, you know, I'm not, the, the, the folks that work in our district are not under my direct purview. I only have one employee that's under my purview and that's our superintendent. He runs the district. You know, he's he's the the top, you know, the top guy in the district. So I think that's really important for people to understand. You know, we're there to, you know, we're oversight. We are, you know, design, you know, directing, you know, laying the policy, kind of what we want to see, the big, the big picture kind of stuff. And obviously when things crop up, you know, we wanna, you know, we wanna try to solve, you know, if we can solve them, we will. But a lot of it's redirecting, you know, trying to um, you know, help folks get to the right person, the right staff person. They're the experts. They're the ones doing the work, and they're the ones that can help them um, help them resolve the issues that they may have. So I think that's I a really think, common issue. And additionally, I am one of five. I am only one voice 
So um, I can't solve anything. And it's true what Lisa says. <laughs> you laugh. <laughs> it's true what you say, Lisa, is that um, that's not our job to micromanage. I mean, we may find out things. Uh, you know, if there's discipline problems at a certain school and that keeps coming to our attention, well, yes, eventually we're going to be asking the superintendent, okay, what's going on? Why, why are there these concerns in the community? But yeah, our job is not to uh, micromanage. It, it is to um, help smooth things over for the school district as far as passing policies or um, getting new programs. It might not be our job to research and get new programs, although that's a possibility, but it's, I rely on the staff. The staff are the experts. You know, I, I, I was, I was laughing because one of the things that maybe they should have at the, at the door right before any, right before any school board meeting is saying something right before you speak right before you come up to you know be a public speaker know that we manage we don't govern you know if you sign this then you could speak and you understand this because well i know well it's funny because some districts are really i mean they do have like i've seen a couple districts that have this very laid out like who do you go to first oh first if you have a complaint first go to your, you know, your school site person or whatever, maybe it's the principal or whatever, you know, next go to your, you know, and then it's like you down the list is your school board trustee. And I think, you know, we don't have that in my district. I think we, we don't want people to feel like they can't come to us, right? right? Like we are, we need to be responsive to our community and, and responsive to our constituents for sure. But, but yeah, but we should, we need people, you know, I think if, I think if people better understood the role of trustee, there'd maybe be less, um, I don't know, fewer complaints, <laughs> or just you know, scrutiny or whatever. You know, I just think there's a lot of people don't understand that, that role. So, well, we're, we're at the end. Um, and one of the things that, that, um, Malia and I have, have always done is our, our very last question for each of our guests is to ask you, what is your call to action? And so Carol and Lisa, what is your call, call to to, to action where, you know, what do you want people to leave with? I think for us is that it, for me, that it's, uh, we're part of a team and the team is the staff, the parents, the children, and the school board for raising our children the best way that we can. I love that. Lisa? I, you know, I think just um, at the base, it, I think my call to action is simply ensuring I'm doing whatever I can to keep my local public schools strong, as well as staying very committed to improving on our school's ability to serve all of our children well. That's the very simple version of that, <laughs> of what I want to do. And of course, all of that is, you know, tied into wanting to support perceptions of public education overall. I think it's recognizing that we have, 
you know, we have to do things differently now than we have in the past and, and slowly, probably slowly than a more, more slowly than a lot of people would like make the shifts that we need to, to do to, to prepare our kids for, for the future. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for your time today and thanks for sharing um, what you're doing. And, you know, we appreciate your efforts to make your school districts and communities a better place. And um, best of luck to you in the future and your new roles on the board. Well, thank, thank you. you. Thank you very thank much. You for having us.